What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 76 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paolo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. Core, week 11 down. We had a great game on Sunday night football. For us personally, as New York fans, Core, it was a tough week, and it was maybe a back-down-to-earth type of week for them. We saw a huge blowout in Minnesota that we're definitely going to get into starting it. But, yeah, overall, a good week of football. Like I said, personally for us, not the best. We'll talk about our teams, of course. But, I mean, yeah, it, it's football nonetheless. You know what I mean? A great week of football. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it was as good as last week because we did have that Bills-Vikings game. But, hey, I mean, could be it could be every game. Every game could be terrible. We're still going to watch it. We're still going to enjoy it. So, yeah, I mean, might as well talk about it. And, yeah, definitely looking looking forward to that. Yeah, you mentioned the Vikings as that game of the year that they had last week against the Buffalo Bills. The NFL core, you know what the NFL stands for? It stands for not for long. And it means that things can change like that. I mean, the Minnesota Vikings just beat the Bills in, like I said, the game of the year. The next week, they're getting taken off of CBS in the third quarter because they're getting blown out that bad by the Dallas Cowboys. 40-3 to was the final score in this one. It was absolute domination. I believe we both picked the Cowboys in the game. We thought it was a like a very telling line, first of all. And second of all, we both liked the Dallas Cowboys' defense. They proved why we did. I believe seven sacks they had on Kirk Cousins. Dak Prescott was near perfect, 22 for 25. Tony Pollard had a, almost 190 total yards of offense. I believe two touchdowns. Yeah, two receiving touchdowns. Absolute domination. I mean, I couldn't expect this. Like I said, I thought the Vikings were an overrated 8-1 and one team who were winning a lot of close games, and Dallas shoved it to them, and Dallas really made a statement in the NFC. Mm, I mean, to give Minnesota like a like a fair – to be fair with Minnesota, I think, yeah, obviously this team was due for a loss, but a lot of these wins have not been very convincing, even though they did beat Buffalo. But, yeah, I think, like we said – I don't know if we said about it last – I think we did. The last episode, Dallas has played in Minnesota the last two years, and they beat them both times. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, Dallas certainly has Minnesota's number, and in this game, I mean, it was just, yeah, domination. I mean, Kirk Cousins out here not even having much time to throw, and when he does, I mean, really wasn't doing much. I mean, Justin Jefferson held to 33 yards. It's just this pass rush for, for the Dallas Cowboys is just – Elite. I mean, Micah Parsons with two sacks. He, he he's just unbelievable. I mean, Dallas with Dak back playing really well. I know they always choke in the playoffs, but I don't know. I think the NFC is pretty is pretty pretty strong. I'm I've not really been on Minnesota. I said like last week. I said I'd put them over Dallas just because they won, but I didn't think they're a better team. I think you can make like a legit case. I never thought like Minnesota can come out of the NFC, but when I think of the top three teams, it's definitely the – in no order right now, I'd say, yeah, definitely the Eagles, 49ers, and Cowboys. I think any three of those teams could come out of the NFC. I think they're better than everyone. I think even – like, I hate to, like, hop completely off Minnesota's bandwagon. Never really was on it, but I just think when you think of those three teams, Minnesota's kind of in the next tier, mm -hmm. like the top of the next tier. I think those three teams are definitely – the top three teams in the NFC by far. I think this is definitely a very dominant win by the Cowboys. Tony Pollard is just an absolute playmaker out there. I mean, 68-yard receiving touchdown. I mean, he is going to get a lot of money if he decides to to leave in free agency. And, yeah, I mean, the Cowboys definitely clicking on some – I mean, not, not all Sunders, but definitely a good bounce-back win. And all is good in Dallas. And – Hey, I mean, Philly's kind of playing a little bit shaky over the last two weeks, so I'm not ruling out that Dallas Dallas could still win this division for sure. Yeah, I mean, two games back, they definitely do still play Philly at some point this year, and that will be in Dallas, I want to say, because, yeah, they played in yeah. Philadelphia earlier in the year. I mean, the Vikings, we mentioned too, specifically who they played. Not only were the games close, but no real good opponents. And I like how you also mentioned, like we mentioned like Green Bay, like week one was like probably their big win in a sense, but then we kind of saw Green Bay come back down to life. Circling back to Green Bay is how Dallas 
was real good in the first half of that game and then kind of really fell off. They got ran all over in the second half of that game and Christian Watson went crazy. A real good bounce back spot for them. I think this game says more personally about Dallas and then potentially being the top team in the NFC because even with Minnesota at eight and one, I don't think people again were declaring them the team to come out of the NFC. People were still a little hesitant on them. Their advanced numbers weren't good. I mean, and this just makes them that much worse uh, after getting blown out like that. So would you be in agreement with me that you'd say that this was probably more telling about Dallas and then maybe their ceiling rather than like Minnesota's like Minnesota's ceiling, like his captain in a sense? Because, you know, I, I feel like we kind of both understood Minnesota's ceiling. But you see a game like this for Dallas, and I think like I don't know if we were ready to put Dallas into like they can make it out of the NFC. Maybe we were still being a little hesitant after a performance like this. How can you not? Yeah, for sure. I think Dallas, their ceiling to me, I don't know if they could beat the Chiefs or the or the Bills, but I think that defense is as good as anyone's in the NFL. So when you when you're talking about ceilings for the Dallas Cowboys, it's gotta be not only to win the NFC, but I think you gotta put like conversation to win mm-hmm. a Super Bowl. I mean, I think like they're that good of a team on both sides of the ball. I mean, the offense isn't as good as it was, but I mean, hey, you're still putting up 40 points. I know your defense helped, but I think it definitely says more about the ceiling. I think you look at Minnesota, their ceiling to me taps out around the divisional round. I don't see this team getting to an NFC championship game, especially. I mean, Kirk Cousins in prime time or like big time games. Like, I don't know what it is, but you just can't trust him. When the guy's playing at 1 p.m. in Detroit, like, yeah. The guy might throw for three touchdowns, but then I don't know what it is, but like any type of big game, the guy just does not really show up. I know mm-hmm. two years ago he beat, I think he beat New Orleans in New Orleans. He had like a deep, deep pass. Maybe Kyle, Kyle Rudolph uh, got got away with a little bit of pass interference. But yeah, I remember that the game when he touched him. I mean, Kirk does not really, not really a big time performer in big games. So I think this definitely says more about the ceiling of the Dallas Cowboys and how far like they could go when everything's clicking for them. All right, Cord, that ceiling. Would you right now, after seeing Philadelphia lose last week to Washington on Monday Night Football at home, and then this past week barely escape the Jeff Saturday-led Colts now, again, disclaimer, the Colts are bad, but the Jeff Saturday-led Colts are a pretty good football team, as they've clearly shown these past two weeks. You putting Dallas over Philadelphia right now, or are you still going to side with the Eagles and coach Nick Sirianni? See, it's tough. I really do think the loss of Dallas Goddard could hurt them. I know you still got A.J. Brown, you still got Devontae Smith, but Goddard, like, it's not as big of a name, but he's actually a really good tight end. Listen, he's, he's a tough cover, man. He's a mismatch guy, too, in the middle of the yeah, field. Yeah, sure. I mean, Jalen Hurts loves to throw Dallas Goddard the ball, so I think – their upside is honestly a little, a little bit capped out with the loss of Goddard. If you t- I'll tell you right now, when Dallas plays Philly in Dallas, I'll put the mortgage on the Cowboys in that game. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know when the week is. I didn't look. I don't know. I don't even care how the teams are playing. I mean, last time the two teams played, it was in Philly, and Philly beat them. I mean, Cooper Rush was playing, I think, in Dallas – Dallas will beat Philly. I expect that line to probably be about a Dallas. If it was right now in, in Dallas, I think it's like Dallas minus four, honestly. Three and a You're half. Cra- You're crazy. You don't think Vegas so? Loves, Vegas loves the Eagles, man, and like rightfully so. Maybe like two and a half. I, I, think, I think it'd be Dallas like minus two. And like I, I, like I mean, maybe maybe that's just me being like, oh, I'd love to take Dallas in that spot because I'm in 100 agreement with you. Like Dallas plays them pretty well too. I know like they had they played them like the last game of the regular season last year that meant like nothing, and Dallas killed them in Philadelphia. It meant nothing for both teams. Um, I I don't know if it was last year or two years ago they played on Monday night in Dallas too. And oh, I'm that pretty was sure last Hertz year. Got, I'm pretty sure Hurts got pulled in that game. I don't know if he got pulled. Dude, that defense, I remember in that game, like, was swarming. I think – did Trayvon Diggs have a pick six maybe? I'm not sure. He, he, might, he might have. Well, so with with all this being said, kind of getting back on track here, you're still sli- like a sliver with the Eagles over the Cowboys, right? Mm, I, I want to switch, but, like, I'm not going to just because I was high on the okay. Eagles. Yeah, I mean, I just – I need to see them a little bit more without Dallas Goddard because I definitely think – 
going forward, that could be a problem, I think, could, like, hurt their offense. But right now, I'll give the slight edge to Philly, but it's really close. All right, cool. I mean, as a Giants fan, this is just – this is my worst nightmare here. Who's the best team in the NFC, Dallas or Philadelphia? I mean, this is bad or worse. I'm going to flip sides, Cora. I have, I'm not entirely sold on this Philadelphia Eagles team. I know they have an unbelievable roster, but the last couple weeks has shown you what maybe happens when they get off script. And I'm just a little nervous of them playing catch-up in certain games. Even if you look back at this game, the game-winning drive, Jalen Hurts completed one pass on their game-winning drive. That's not something that's really inspiring me that potentially down the stretch or in a playoff game, I need a guy in a two-minute drive to lead me to a comeback Maybe I'd rather have the ball in Dak Prescott's hands, which, again, not very convincing either. Dak, like, he's, he's a good quarterback and stuff like that, but he's not Patrick Mahomes, as we see every Sunday night with him. So I'm going to flip. I think Dallas has a better defense than them, too. Off, like, on the offensive line, Philadelphia is still better than Dallas, but Dallas seems to, like, have, like, mitigated that problem. Like, that was definitely a big issue early on in the year. Recently, they've ran the ball real well, so I'm curious to see how that holds up. But, yeah. I'm going to go with Dallas, especially with the emergence of Tony Pollard, another huge playmaker on Dallas' offense with CeeDee Lamb. Dalton Schultz has kind of like revived his season a little bit with Dak back there. Gallup, too. Who knows? With Odell Beckham Jr., those rumors coming, that would be brutal. But, he again, he'd be a huge piece there. So, I, yeah, I'm going to jump ship, and I'm going to go with Dallas there. I, I agree that when Dallas plays Philly in Dallas, I think it's going to be, like, Dallas pretty handedly. I love Dallas in that spot. Um. One last thing that we kind of just like touched over, Core Jeff Saturday. It would have been awesome though to see him go two and zero, and especially beating the Eagles. I mean, that would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jeff Saturday. I just think this guy. I know he played center for the Colts, but I think this guy on NFL Live or even like get up in the morning with like Mike Greenberg, just like being a complete funny guy. So, hey, I'm rooting for the guy. I hope the Colts finish out the season strong, just because of Jeff Saturday. He's a pretty likable guy. On TV, so yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how he's. I haven't really been watching the Colts, but they've definitely. I mean, he's got them inspired, man. This team was dead. They They were dead. Yeah, they were up all the whole game against against the Eagles. So yeah, I mean, the Colts maybe they could turn turn it around. I think there's not really an opening for them to win the AFC South. The Titans just continue to win, but hey, Jeff Saturday, I think this team's. Yeah, they seem like they they want to play more under Jeff Saturday than they did than they did under Frank Reich. So, you're Jeff Saturday. You just got to play with house money, get get your guys up, and hopefully they finish the season strong. Yeah, for their sake, hopefully they do, and maybe Saturday can carve out a future on an NFL coaching staff. Maybe not as a head coach, but maybe a different mm-hmm. role. Not go back into TV. We'll stay in the NFC in the AFC South and talk about some of the primetime games this week. We're not going to talk about the Monday night football game. That actually just concluded. It was a blowout in Mexico City. The San Francisco 49ers dominated the Kyler Murray less Cardinals. But we'll talk about the other two games. We'll start on Thursday night where the Titans defense looked real good against the Packers. We kind of said the Packers, it was kind of a savior season type of half, but let's see you now go and put together a nice performance back-to-back weeks and beat the Titans. They weren't able to do it. Mike Vrabel continues to prove why he's such a good coach. He just always has the Titans up for these games. Doesn't matter, like, who's hurt for them. I mean, again, the Titans, I think, since they lost the first two weeks of the season, they lost to the Giants on that, like, missed field goal late. They got killed by the Bills. Since then, they lost one game. It was in overtime, and they didn't – against the Chiefs, and they didn't have Ryan Tannehill. Again, like, they people always just seem to count this Titans team out. Very was the coach of the year last year. Had them as the number one seed, and again, he does it this week against the Packers – and they put up 27 points, too. Look pretty decent on offense. Traylon Burks, finally, maybe a little bit of a breakout game, over 100 yards. I know he had a big catch with, like, two minutes left in the game. That definitely pads it a little bit. But, yeah, Derrick Henry, of course, no signs of slowing down. Even threw a touchdown in this game, which is just, like, unfair that a guy, like, who's that unstoppable can then just, like, pretend. You know what I mean? Like, they they love doing that little jump pass with him. But, yeah, a real nice win for the Titans to improve them to 7-3, and three, make their cushion in the AFC South that much more comfortable. And for the Packers, it was a good half of football against the Cowboys, but if you ask me, it just gets completely disregarded now with that loss at home to the Titans. Not that the Titans are this bad of a team and they were supposed to win the game, but the Packers were favorites in the game, and if you wanted to be a playoff team and turn your season around, you had to win that game, and you didn't. Certainly a must-win for the Packers, and it just seems like Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is not on the same page a lot. 
with his wide receivers, whether it's mm-hmm. Alan Lazard. I mean, even like Christian Watson, a lot of times, he just doesn't seem like on the same page as him. I know he's caught two touchdowns in this game, but a lot of times it just doesn't seem like they're on the same page. And I think, yeah, it's just really not a good offense, just not that good of a football team. And I mean, yeah, four and seven right now, their season to me is basically over. And then you look at the Tennessee Titans, I mean, you're completely right, I think. Everyone counts this team out. I mean, before the year, I saw like the Colts were like minus 115 to win the AFC South. And I was like, this is a lock. And now through like through 11 weeks, you know, um, yeah, the Titans are in first place by a lot. And Mike Vrabel, I think, has got to be like a top three coach in the NFL. Year in, year out, whether he has A.J. Brown, he doesn't have A.J. Brown. He has Derrick Henry. Even last year when he didn't have Derrick Henry, like the team was still doing well. And his team is not like loaded with big name guys. I mean, on defense, they have Jeffrey Simmons, but offense, you have Derrick Henry. Just like the their style of play, just like, I don't even know. Like they, they Ryan Tannehill to me is a little above a game manager, like a little above it. And they lean on Derrick Henry, who's honestly is just, to me, is just incredible. I know he's like 6'3", almost 250, but the amount of volume that he gets year in, year out, especially coming off a season-ending injury to me, is just absolutely insane. Ever since, I think, I think it's about like his fourth year, even, I know he had like a little over 1,000. I think that was um, maybe the 2019 season or 2018 season. I think it was 2018. He had like 1,059 yards. And, like, ever since then, it's just been an absolute breakout for Henry. I know it was, like, the end of um, the 2019-2020 season. He kind of just went crazy. And then that playoff run, he also went crazy. And since then, he's been the best running back in the NFL. I mean, they certainly lean on him. I don't know. I think he's kind of just, like, a different breed when it comes to even, like, running backs in, like, NFL history. I mean, he's just been absolutely unbelievable. But, I don't know, something about this Titans team – I know, like, their style of football kind of is right for the postseason and, like, the cold weather. But mm-hmm. you look at them, I know they're doing good. Like, they're going to be a playoff team. But you look, they're definitely not better than the Chiefs or the Bills. I mean, I don't even know if I put them above. Like, do you put the Titans above, like, the Ravens or the Chargers or the Bengals? I don't. I don't really know. I think – those teams, honestly, I'm taking off maybe not the Bengals, I think. Without Jamar Chase, they are a little bit like a little more shaky. Even the Ravens are, but I still take the Ravens over the Titans. But I don't know. I think and when the t- Chargers are healthy, I think like still those three teams, like when healthy, I'm taking over the Titans. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair discussion to be had, a good debate. If I like personally on the top, I think I would take them over actually the Ravens. I would probably take them over the Bengals. I do not think – I mean, this year I'll take them over the Chargers just because J.C. Jackson done their receiver room. I know Keenan Allen just got back healthy. Mike Williams just got hurt again. Slater out. There's just too many injuries. I start like, you just know what you're getting, though, with the Titans. And, like, the Titans are going to give you a real good effort week in and week out, and they're going to be competitive in football games that they're going against really good teams, whereas, like, the Ravens, like, I'm not necessarily – like, you know what I mean? You don't see that – the dominance for 60 minutes – in some of the games, especially early on in the year where it's like they hang around and barely beat the Browns and stuff. They're blowing late leads. I know they're good teams to the Dolphins and the Bills and the Giants. What about Miami? Yeah, my, Miami, my, my, Miami's, better, Miami's better than Tennessee. Although if Miami and Tennessee matched up, Tennessee does – which they do play, I believe, later in the – or no, maybe they don't. But Tennessee does a lot of things. Like they're polar opposite of teams. Tennessee can slow down games. And that's why maybe they can be like – I don't want to say a kryptonite to some of these teams like Kansas City and Miami, but by keeping their those offenses off the field and by running the ball and being a lot more physical than those teams are, it gives you a chance to win the game. And, like, their style of play, like, yeah, it's not good. Like, if the Titans go down 10 points early in the game and have to play from behind, you can't ask Ryan Tannehill to do that. It's not going to work. But their style of play allows them to potentially really control games and – make it real difficult. I mean, that's exactly what they did to the Chiefs on that Sunday night football game, too. Like, they were really – they were way more physical than the Chiefs, and it took Mahomes scrambling late in the game to tie the game and then ultimately in overtime lead a comeback. 
I mentioned Patrick Mahomes leading a comeback a couple weeks ago against the Titans. He does it once again, Core, against the Los Angeles Chargers in L.A. on Sunday Night Football. First of all, good for the NFL for flexing this game. Like It seems like every single time the Chiefs and the Chargers play, it's an awesome game. Staley like definitely prepares his team well for the Chiefs, but in the end, it doesn't like it just doesn't matter. Again, they score with like a minute and forty seconds left, and you're just not worried at all. Like, I hope at some point in my life the Giants are this dominant and they have a quarterback that's this good that you just never ever have to panic and you always know that like if as long as we have fifteen on the sideline, we're gonna win a game. Every year, people are trying to find who's going to be the new MVP. Who's like Patrick Mahomes still in the league? We talked, we said it maybe last week about how it's like the LeBron when it was like with Miami. That's what it's going to become. It, it's just incredible again. Like don't don't be looking. Oh, Jalen Hurts should be the no. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of the National Football League. He's the best quarterback in the National Football League, and maybe the best quarterback from a talent standpoint that any of us have watched recently. And I mean, again, he just continues to remind you week in on week out at the hardest position, arguably in sports, he makes it look so easy and just continues to dominate. Yeah. Pal, you're saying you hope the giants one day have a guy who could just lead, lead your team on like game winning drives, like Patrick Mahomes. And I think Patrick Mahomes, honestly, just like one of one. I think he's just, in yeah, I'm, I'm, say, I'm saying them like they come off trees. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like it's, he's one-on-one. One yeah, on one. Def- yeah, definitely. But, yeah, I mean, if Patrick Mahomes keeps it up, I'm not going to, like, rank him with, like, the all-time greats, but he'll certainly put himself in the conversation of all-time greats. I mean, he's only 27. He's got – I mean, he started in 2018. That's – this is his fifth year. Yeah, fifth As year. starter. Yeah, he's already got 179 touchdowns through not even his fifth full season. That's over 30 or over thirty a year. He's still got, like, a lot more games to play here. I mean, the guy, just a touchdown machine. I mean, his first year he threw for 50 touchdowns. He's just unbelievable. I hope he honestly gets, like, another ring or two, which I think he will. I mean, he's too good of a quarterback. He just makes his team too much, like, too good. For them not to get another one. But yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes definitely has to be the MVP this season so far. Especially because I thought I always thought Patrick Mahomes was super talented, but I thought a lot of the times you watched him and like he he'd throw like a short pass to Tyree Kill and Hill would pick up a lot of yards after the catch. And he did do that. He makes Tyreek makes his quarterback better, but I mean Mahomes also does make his receivers better. It's just whoever it is. I mean, I don't even know who that throw was. I think it was number eighty-five on the Chiefs. You're talking about like you're talking about up the right sideline. Yeah, yeah, the right sideline, like For- Fortson. I mean, that throw. I'm, I'm thinking. I was just about to bring up that that throw was unworldly. What's crazy is that actually might not have been the best throw in the game, but that throw was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, his ability. He just like sidearm throws it casually down the field. He's just. It's just like his ability to launch it deep, his ability to make short passes when, like, it seems like he's got nowhere to go. He'll just slip a sidearm pass to, like, Marquez Valdez-Scanling or, like, Travis Kelsey, just someone. Or even, like, Sky Moore, who stepped up big in this game. Mm-hmm. It's like his ability to just improvise and find guys in, like, the most un... What's the word? Like, ways you don't think he could do it. Like, he just finds a way and gets it done. And, yeah, right now, the Chiefs... I thought the Bills were better than them, but, like, right now, yeah, the Chiefs are definitely the best team in the NFL because of number 15. Yeah, and what's remarkable about it, too, is that I don't want to say it was a criticism, but people are like, all right, like, he's put in the perfect position to succeed. He's in an Andy Reid offense. He has Tyreek Hill. He has Travis Kelsey. He's got this guy. They draft they draft a running back in the first round and stuff like this. I mean, you even just look at this game again, too. No Juju Smith-Schuster. No Miko Hardman. Kadarius Tony goes out early, but it just doesn't matter. First of all, Travis Kelsey too continue again. A lot, a lot of, a lot of guys who were talking like Travis Kelsey and Mahomes versus Gronk and Brady, and it's one hell of a debate that maybe we'll have one day because it 100 percent should be a debate because that's how dominant Travis Kelsey has been 
in his career and stuff like that and just how reliable he's been, how durable he's been. But building more off the Chiefs now and kind of circling back to them this year, I mean, Isaiah Pacheco ran the ball real well, over 100 yards. That's going to scare teams too, that if the Chiefs are able to run the ball successfully like they did against the Chargers. And it's kind of a shame because the Chargers look like really good this week. Finally, for the first time, their offense got clicking. I know Mike Williams went out in this one, but Keenan Allen had a huge catch up the red sideline. Josh Palmer had a big day. And like Justin Herbert finally was able to take shots down the field that we saw him constantly checking the ball down week after week. And they finally opened it up. I mean, I said that the Mahomes throw might not have been the best of the day because Herbert's rolling out to his right, plants his foot, and 65 yards in the air throws an absolute dime to Joshua Palmer that you're just like, three quarterbacks in the NFL can make that throw. That's why people believe so much in this guy. It's unfortunate that his defense late in the game wasn't able to get the stop on Mahomes. Again, easier said than done. But for the Chargers, us, we were both very high on them, even higher than that on them than maybe the Chiefs going into the year. That game at least shows me some promise that maybe there is some of the preseason hype with them. And, yeah, they might have some injuries, but they could still be a team that, competes in the playoffs whereas maybe a couple weeks back you were like all right this team is like really ugly obviously they're not on the Chiefs level like we thought they were preseason but maybe they're in a little bit of better shape if they have like if they could just play like they did against the Chiefs like because like I said it just seems like they always play the Chiefs so well mm-hmm. when you, when they play the Chiefs they're definitely a different team right now at five and five I still still think this is a playoff team I think they'll get in in the wild card as much as I love the Jets, like I think, yeah, the Chargers definitely. That's what I'm saying. Like, the, like you start looking at the NFC and some of these teams in the middle of the pack. Like, if the Chargers play like they did last night, like that, like this is a team that's significantly better than some teams around their record. Mm-hmm. I'd say the only teams I'm realistically putting above them are the Chiefs, Bills, and the Dolphins. Honestly, I, I, I think if the Chargers play, like, they're best football. Yeah, them versus the Dolphins. I think would be. A good game, like they both play their hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm yeah. in agreement there. I'd say like the Chargers are in that debate, and yeah, I mean five and five got plenty of time left. Just continue to string together games like you did against the Chiefs, and I'm sure not everyone is the Chiefs, so they can play like it's just like them getting up for like they always get up for games against the Chiefs, even though like they never even win. Besides, I mean last year they did win on that fourth down conversion, but. They usually don't really beat the Chiefs, but they always are, like, playing a great game against them. If they could just play like that against most of the teams in the NFL, they'll they'll find themselves winning um, most most of the games to end the season, especially with the AFC, AFC West not being as good as – I don't know how many more divisional games they have, but the AFC West is just – we thought it was going to be, like, an ultimate powerhouse, but – the Raiders and the and the Broncos are two pretty disappointing teams. I know they've had um to deal with stuff, but pretty disappointing teams. So I think yeah, the Chargers definitely could beat those teams. And yeah, I think they play their best football. So it certainly is a playoff team. Yeah, like I said, they definitely are. And in, in a disappointing NFC West, in, in a disappointing AFC West, where even the Chargers haven't lived up to hype, they still have enough time in the season where if you ask me, they can kind of figure it out. One last thing. I want to just mention about this game because they brought up a couple stats on the broadcast about Patrick Mahomes again that just really shows his greatness and his dominance. In his career against the AFC West, Patrick Mahomes is 24-3, and 14-0 on the road. And, Corey, in the months of November and December, Patrick Mahomes has won 25 straight football games. That is absolutely – that's just unheard of. That is ridiculous. So – Keep that in the back pocket Wait, going over November and December. Like Corey, 25 straight games in November and December. I, my jaw was on the floor when I heard it. Like any games in his not just divisional games, just any type of game. Any games. He has won his last 25 games that were played in November and December. Yeah, that's crazy, man. It, it, it's unheard of. Again. Just shows his dominance. So, like I said, keep that in the back pocket for when you want to think, oh, maybe the Chiefs will lose this week. Uh, I don't I don't think so. <laughs> We're talking about greatness. We're talking about things that we would love to see from our team core. 
Corey, could you imagine if the New York Jets had a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes instead? They have a quarterback who can't recognize that he actually might be the problem after scoring three points and going for barely over 100 total yards of offense. The Jets, a heartbreaking loss. You don't wish that on anybody to lose on a game, losing part, on a walk-off part return by Marcus Jones, I believe. I know he's the kid from Houston. He was a real good returner in college as well. But it was – Zach Wilson's two games now against the Patriots were tough. A couple weeks ago, I threw a bunch of interceptions. This week, it was just ugly, a plethora of missed throws, misreads. And then the worst part of the day by far is him actually not being mature enough, if you ask me, to acknowledge that he actually, that the offense let the defense down. And when you're not when you're not like performing very well, you can't be immature. Like, like that just doesn't work, especially at the quarterback position. You can't be immature anyway at the quarterback position. But if you're gonna be bad and immature, see ya. Like they're gonna kick you out real quickly. Sala came out today saying that. You know what, Zach Wilson, I'm not confirming that he's going to be the starter this week. The locker room clearly didn't let that sit well for them. It was a tough loss, like I said, for the Jets. But I think the bigger story, rather than the game, was really signaled with Wilson's post-game comments and just like, how can this be your guy for the future when you hear something like that? Especially how poorly he played. You have to have some sense of accountability at the most important position on the football field where you're supposed to be a leader. Mm -hmm. Especially in a game, now, and there's when there's a game where your where your offense puts up 103 total yards of offense, six first downs. Literally, I don't know the exact stat. I think they, they got punted the ball ten times. They had more punts than Zach Wilson had completions, and I think they had like two yards of offense. I could be wrong. Like two yards of offense, I think, in the second half. I could be wrong, to be honest. But no, no, it, it's pretty close because I saw a tweet. It was like 2.77 inches per play they gained in the second half. No, it just it was pretty pathetic, and I don't I don't want to say it's time to move on from Zach Wilson, but I mean I think the Jets just seem to not be able to get their their guy. I mean Sam Donald obviously wasn't it. I mean Zach Wilson was getting all this buzz. I'm not gonna sit here and act like I was fully in love with Zach Wilson, even though mm -hmm. it, I'm kind. I guess I kind of. Hopped on the bandwagon a little. I mean, I was never like, this guy is going to be an absolute stud. But, I mean, like, uh -huh. I guess I kind of felt like he was getting a lot of gas up this summer. I think also part of it was because this guy was, like, going around, hanging mm -hmm. around with some, some MILFs. So people were like, oh, this guy's a dog. But that's not how you – doesn't translate to you performing on the field. And honestly, no, it doesn't. They've, the Jets have been winning games this year, but it hasn't been because – of Zach Wilson, and in a game where your defense gives up three points, I know New England is a good defense. I know Bill Belichick always stifles Jets quarterbacks, it seems like, but three points, I know, I mean, that, that end punt return was was pretty brutal, but I think in a time where your defense is probably a top five, top seven unit in, in the league right now, I'll say top five unit. I mean, I know they lost Brees Hall, but – Still have like all right weapons on the outside, in my opinion. I mean, Garrett Wilson, I think, is a stud. Uh, I know Elijah Moore never gets, but they even asked. I don't know if you saw. They asked like Elijah Moore. I don't know if it was this week. I think it might have been in the past. They asked something about like <laughs> the chemistry between Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore, and Elijah Moore is like, I don't know. He's like, I don't get the ball. Like he just like <laughs> straight up, <He's> like, <laughs> I don't touch the ball. So, I, I mean, yeah, when you give up three points and and you get asked a question if you let the defense down or like did the offense let the defense down? You just say no. I think a lot of players on the defense are just not going to sit right with them, especially when they're going out there forcing forcing three and outs, getting stops, turnovers, and the offense just giving it right back. I think the least you can do is have some type of responsibility. I mean, Josh Allen a few weeks ago against the Jets completely mm -hmm. put the game on him. Not gonna curse on this, but he just said like he he did not play good, and he's like, how could you win when your quarterback doesn't play good? And that's why Josh Allen is miles above Zach Wilson right now. And I, I don't know. I think I don't, I don't even think I'm exaggerating. If you give the Jets a good quarterback right now, I think I'm not putting them in the tier with the the Bills, Chiefs, or like the Dolphins. But I think like if you give the Jets a good quarterback. I don't. They could definitely be in that. 
I don't know, like third, like not like fourth best team in the AFC, maybe like fifth. Like surely, I think mm-hmm. defense is elite. If you just have a quarterback who could move the ball and not rely on like the run game to bail you out and the defense to bail you out, I think this team's good. Like if the Jets had if the Jets were able to get Lamar Jackson somehow in the offseason, I mean it's a long shot. If they were, I'm putting the Jets as contenders, honestly. In the AFC, I think the defense is that good. It's just like unfortunate. Zach Wilson just missing easy throws and just like I don't know. I I just don't think he's the guy. If I'm the Jets though, I'm not trying to draft another quarterback. I'm trying to go out and trade for a quarterback, sign one. Like you don't want to take another chance on a young quarterback. I think it's shown that they haven't really panned out for you. Just try to go out and get a established like proven good quarterback in my opinion yeah a lot to unpack there i'll go with that later part with the jets and you saying like if the jets had mediocre quarterback play like i'm not even exaggerating this like if the jets had mediocre quarterback play i think you'd be saying that this is a team good enough to win a playoff game for sure like even go on the road and win a playoff game that's how good their defense is and i think that because they're a little bit ahead of schedule and like the reason like their probably goal of this year was to really figure out if Wilson was their franchise quarterback. You could have looked a couple weeks ago and been like, all right, maybe like Flacco would actually be better right now than Wilson. But obviously we're not going to do that because we want to see where Wilson is and let's see how, like maybe if he plays really well down the stretch, we know we have a franchise quarterback at this point, like the Jets rest of their team is, and the rest of the roster is performing really well. And Wilson's holding them back significantly. And I know again, he lost Brees Hall and their run game wasn't great this past week, but still like, just then to throw on top of that that you're gonna like you're not gonna be a leader that if you ask me completely silence making the right move potentially even thinking about benching Wilson because I as a Jet fan I just don't see how you could potentially be looking at your franchise quarterback down the road if they want to exert options in the offseason I'm moving on from Wilson which at this point if you ask me seems likely I don't want to like crazy overreact after this game but I don't think it's that over that much of an overreaction he has not been good this year at all like even from terms of some of the advanced metrics as well. I think you're right. They shouldn't draft a quarterback. I think that they'll be looking, obviously Lamar Jackson will be the big guy that everybody's looking for, but he's going to get tagged by Baltimore. I really don't think he's going to go anywhere unless somebody makes an absolute massive haul sent their way. I think a much more realistic option would be like Derek Carr, potentially to talk about Vegas moving on from him, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo as well. Obviously the familiarity with Mike LaFleur from San Francisco, Aaron Rodgers is another one that I'll throw out a name. Who knows Russell Wilson and the Denver mess? Like, you know what I mean? Maybe they cut ties with Hackett and they want to just completely start over and they move on from Russ. I'm not entirely sure, but I know the Jets, it looks like, will definitely be in the market for a veteran quarterback. And as they should, because their roster, it seems like, is good enough to the point where they're getting really held back at the quarterback position. And Zach Wilson, I said, like I said, more like the most like not only is he not performing talent-wise, it's the maturity-wise and the growth there that when you don't have that. On top of you not playing good football, how are you supposed to leave the locker room? You can't. You know what I mean? Perfect example. We're talking about the Giants. Daniel Jones has had some real good games and stuff like that. But when Daniel Jones plays bad, Daniel Jones is man enough to admit it, and Daniel Jones would never, ever put his defense on blast and stuff like that. Even if you score – even if the Jets' offense, if you ask me, even scored – like 21 points in the game and you still like get that question. Like as a quarterback, it you gotta like it falls on you. You know what I mean? That's just that's just part of the job. You get all the praise when the team is winning games and stuff like that. And guess what? When the team loses, unfortunately, if you want to be if you're a real good leader, you're gonna take the blame for that. And you're gonna like kind of like avoid your teammates being put on blast there. So I an inexcusable mistake by Zach Wilson that's gonna cause a lot of questions about his job that were already gonna be X because of his play, but then from his like growth, if you ask me, it, it, that that just shows that maybe it's not there. And it's just a shame because I think Wilson is very talented. But, again, I don't know maybe if his time in New York is dwindling down. We'll flip it over to the Giants' core. It was a tough week for me as well. I mean, they got absolutely smoked by the Lions. The Lions, like, physicality, both on the offensive and the defensive side of the ball, was so prevalent in this one. The Giants' interior offensive line got absolutely smoked. Detroit's run game ran all over the Giants all day. And it just didn't help that every single person it seemed like on the Giants went down with an injury. Brian Dable, for as good of a coach that he's been this year, 
by far the worst coaching decision he's made was to put a Dory Jackson as his part returner. Dory Jackson ends up getting hurt. He's going to be out like five weeks. The Giants don't have good enough corners to begin with. So why do you put your $13 million number one corner, arguably your second best defensive player behind Dexter Lawrence to return punts and leave him out to injury? And it's not like he's Devin Hester. Like, yeah, he's athletic. And yeah, he used to return punts in college and even in the beginning of his NFL career. But he's not, again, he's not this like, world-renowned known punt returner. Like, you could put another receiver back there. I know they had problems there, but I thought that was brutal. They lost a ton of other guys in this game. Wondell Robinson was finally breaking out a little bit. I think he had eight catches maybe was the number, but he was definitely for 100 yards, and on his last catch of the day, ends up tearing his ACL. They had some injuries on the offensive line as well. Fabian Moreau, another corner, went down. This is all on top of Xavier McKinney and that accident that he had on the bye, which, again, just, like, snowballs into this. They're limping into Dallas, which is a shame. Hopefully they get Evan Neal back there, right tackle. That could definitely help. But for a team that, again, was looking really promising going into the bye, then they, they lost, even though they lost that game in Seattle, they were kind of flat against Houston. And they just beat them because they were Houston. But they got absolutely punched in the mouth this week. And it kind of maybe starts to re like you start to teeter your expectations now. Like, all right, maybe this team, like their record was pretty deceiving. I still think that this is a playoff football team. But I think that it was definitely a wake-up call this past week. And like I said, it's, it's tough to overcome those injuries in amidst the game. Daniel Jones didn't play great. Saquon Barkley couldn't get anything going. But, yeah, like I said, I, I think a wake-up call would definitely be the right word to – like a reality check is actually what I'll go with as the better one. You know what I mean? Maybe, like, it's tough. I think through 10 games, I mean, 7-3 still record. All Giants fans in. Everyone in the Giants front office and everyone would take that... it. Would would t- I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah, I mean, I was just hard on them for a minute and a half. But if you would have told me through ten weeks we could be seven and three, I would have signed up for that eleven times out of ten. Yeah, for sure. I think you look at the Giants' schedule going forward. It's certainly going to get a little more difficult. I mean, every team on this. I'm looking right now. I mean, you got the Cowboys, the Commanders, the Eagles, Commanders, Vikings on the road, Colts. And the Eagles, that's that's no easy schedule. So, I mean, the NFC East is suddenly a powerhouse. And, I mean, the Commanders are playing really good ball, especially with Taylor Heineke. So, we'll see how this goes. I, I want to see how they play this week in Dallas. I know they're a very banged-up team, but still a divisional game. I, I, I'm not even saying it. Like, I just want to see them compete. I, I know they will because the Giants are a team. Definitely plays with a lot of heart, but... If they could, I just, I just need to see some, some type of life, some type of positives out of them, just to go into the Commanders in uh, the following week, and because that, that's going to be a really crucial game too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Commanders six and five, they win this week. They'll be, they might be on a buy. I'm not sure they are. Nah, they'll win this week. They're seven and five, and the Giants lose. They're down to seven and four. So. That that could be a really big game. I'm not counting like the Giants are definitely losing this week, but you definitely got to just see some positives. I mean, you look at this team, how banged up they are. I mean, on paper, especially on offense, too, you really – Darius Slayton is your wide receiver one. I mean, Wondell Robinson was doing good. He's obviously hurt now, but you're like Richie James – um, some tight ends it's, in there. It's gr- it's gr- we gave Kenny Gata a standing ovation when he called his first pass this week. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. See, you're just going to – I know Saquon obviously did not get much going this week. I mean, a lot of pressure is on Saquon Barkley, in my opinion, I think, with the limited help on the outside. I mean, Daniel Jones really doesn't have that much to throw to. And, I mean, Saquon, top running back in the league, I think. But all it all depends on the offensive line. So, hopefully they can get Evan Neal back. Hopefully they can show some positives in this Thanksgiving game who, hey, Dallas on Thanksgiving at home, Hasn't really been uh hasn't really been that good of a football team for some reason. So maybe the Giants can go in there and um sneak out a win. I honestly do think they keep it somewhat close. I know the spread's like eight or nine, but I think they'll keep it somewhat close. Hey, we'll get into that, but hey, I think the Giants will compete in Dallas this week. But talent wise right now, I think it's just lacking a little bit due to all the injuries. Yeah, and listen, this is not a team that was supposed to be an 11-12 win team and compete for a Super Bowl. So 
when you're losing guys who are fringe starters already, their backups are not your typical back. Like, you know what I mean? Those guys are fringe, are practice squad guys sometimes. So it is tough. Some of the personnel and again, you have to be realistic in a sense, but it was just, it was tough to just see them like for a team that had played with so much heart this year, like the physicality again, there was just such a difference. And like the lines offensive line has been very good this year, but it was evident on Sunday that they were going to push the giants around and they didn't care. Like, who, they, they just didn't care and offensively like I said to the Giants had a tough time blocking their front even if they were only sending four guys it didn't really matter because the receivers can't separate that well in man coverage that was also a problem for Jones kind of left out to drive Jones missed a couple of throws it's a good thing that the Giants are on a short week going to Dallas because it's a good spot for them to kind of flush this game away and yeah they might not be too too healthy and stuff but it's a divisional game and in, in a way, they're playing with house money. Because like you said, too, it's going to come down to those two games if you ask me against the Commanders. If they sweep those two games against the Commanders, they're probably sitting pretty for one of the wild card berths. If they lose both of them, then guess what? You didn't deserve to be a playoff team. So we'll get to see what this Giants team is made of. They're facing a little bit of adversity for the first time this season, and I'm definitely excited to see them bounce back this Thursday in Dallas. We'll move on, Core, to a couple disappointing teams this year, and we're going to try to choose which one could be more disappointing. The Los Angeles Rams and the Denver Broncos both lose again. We'll start with the Rams. Since, I believe, 2003, no – yeah, here we go. Uh, the 2003 Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the last team to win a Super Bowl, and then the next year have a losing record. The Rams are all but certain going to – break that almost 20-year streak there. Matthew Stafford had a concussion, was out last week, got banged up again this week. Obviously, no Cooper Cup there. Just an ugly game against the Saints. Uh, again, just, just uh, yeah, it, it's just nothing's not going again. They've dealt with so many different pieces on that offensive line. They couldn't figure out the running game all year. They were so dependent on Cup, and obviously he goes down. And then the Denver Broncos blowing a lead to a Raiders team that was like 0-6 in one possession games. And then like, Losing it in overtime because the Broncos, the Raiders scored. Was it they, they scored a le- did they score a last second touchdown or they only scored they kicked the field goal to go into overtime? I think it was only a field goal to go. Oh, it was a field goal to go into overtime. No, Carl, it was definitely a field goal to go into overtime. Yeah. I'm thinking too. Yeah, because they got like inside the ten, but then they didn't score. Carlson gets a field goal to go to overtime, and then Devonte Adams catches the game winning oh, touchdown. Court, I mean, what's worse, a reigning Super Bowl champion getting? maybe have like being a bottom five team in the NFL or trading two first round draft picks, hiring a new coach, paying your quarterback $240 million. And again, being a bottom five team in the NFL. I mean, it's hard to quantify, like it's hard to debate who's worse, but take a stab at it. I'm going to start with the Broncos just because I know, I mean, the Rams got their Super Bowl last year and I know the Rams obviously did not lose a lot. I know they lost Odell and Von Miller was gone, and they weren't, like, supposed to be – no, nah, it wasn't even mad. Like, this team still had Super Bowl aspirations this year, but it just shown, like, in the NFL, it's just tough to win back-to-back Super Bowls. It's NFL, to- not for not for long, Core. That seems, to be the, that seems to be the theme this week. Not for long. Yeah. I mean, you said that earlier with the Vikings, but – I think for sure the the Rams certainly like Odell leaving, um, Allen Robinson certainly has not been the guy you expected. So I mean Cooper Cup, like this offense was so reliant on him. And like you said, the run game also. I mean, Cam Akers also has been a major disappointment this year, whether it's on the field or off the field issues, just in general. So like but they got their Super Bowl last year, I think. The hangover it shouldn't be this bad, but I guess like I could say they're almost like entitled to it just because they got their Super Bowl. I think Denver mm-hmm. is certainly more disappointing in my opinion just because this team has almost been on like the cusp for like a few years, not even making the playoffs, like almost like a 7-8 win team, but they've had like subpar quarterback play. I mean, they've had like Teddy Bridgewater probably been like decent for them. I mean, Drew Locke, like they just haven't had that good of a quarterback. They get Russell Wilson – in the offseason, and you think you plug in Wilson with this team and they're instantly contenders in the AFC, and it's actually been the opposite of that. Russell Wilson has been terrible pretty much all year. This team is 3-7. and seven. They gave up their first-round picks, at least 
like the Rams have well, the Rams like, don't have their pick either. Yeah, but they fair. I hate to give up previous years. Like they've had their success. Like they got their ring. I don't know how like I said last week, I don't think the the fright the future is bright for the Rams, but they got their ring. Like the Broncos right here trying to compete with Kansas City in like, yeah, like last year they trade stat they trade for Stafford and give up picks, they win a Super Bowl. Like Denver comes in, they trade their picks. They're terrible. And now like they're screwed because they don't have their picks. And if Russell unless Russell Wilson can magically just like turn it around next year, like this team is just not a good football team. They even traded Bradley Chubb on defense. So I'm certainly gonna say Denver is more disappointing. I think they were almost on the cusp of being like a really good team. And in reality, Russell Wilson has not been their savior and this team is just not in a good situation going forward. Yeah, I mean, core, you killed it with that. I mean, I love how you mentioned like the Rams, you're hundred percent right. Like they're not entitled to this, but they at least prove something. The Denver Broncos traded two first round picks, paid a guy two hundred forty million dollars to go three and seven. If they wanted to go three and seven, they could have just kept Drew Locke, kept Vic Fangio, and they probably actually might have been better than three and seven. I think what's also such a shame and what makes it so much worse is that their defense has been so good. Yeah. <laughs> like if their offense was good. Like this would be they they'd probably be seven and three if they had a league average offense, maybe even better. Who knows? That's how good their defense has been. So yeah, I'm a hundred percent signing with you. I think what sums up the Broncos season so well is just the Melvin Gordon experience. Melvin Gordon for the past year and a half has took away touches from Javante Williams, who is beyond talented. Javante was like what last year there was the stat that like he forced more missed tackles than everybody and probably had half the amount of touches that the other guys had there. But Melvin Gordon's just there taking away touches. Javante Williams gets hurt. Melvin Gordon stays on the roster for four more weeks and then gets caught because he has fumbling issues. Like, it's just, yeah, like, the Broncos, just, they, they don't know what they're – I don't want to say – this year they kind of don't know what they're doing. And you just don't know where they are. Who knows what their future holds? Like I said, I don't think Hackett, there's any chance he makes it to a second season. I'm surprised he didn't get fired after the game against the Raiders this past week. But Russ definitely needs to turn it around. Hopefully it's just a one-year thing maybe and they just need another offseason. But, yeah, I'm definitely going to side with you there. The Rams, I, I'm, I have a lot more faith in the Rams turning it around next year than I do the Broncos. I think that this could just have been a huge swing and a miss from the Broncos. Whereas, like, the Rams, what scares me is that maybe they, like, they're not going to have, like, a large influx of talent coming in. So, like, it's kind of going to be, like, probably – a little like similar in a sense of who they have to run it back with next year, but they've proven that they can, they, you know what I mean? They've proven that they won a Super Bowl. The Broncos, who knows with them? So, yeah, I, I love what you said there. I'm definitely going to side with the Broncos as the most disappointing team. I mean, anybody else that we could even throw into the conversation? I know the Raiders are also three and seven. Like, I don't think, I think it's unfair that a lot of people like, tried to say that the Raiders could compete in the I just never saw it with them. Like, again, they were a team last year that won a lot of one-score games with, like, Rich Bisaccia as the interim head coach. They were a really nice story. But I don't know. I don't, I don't think the Raiders quantifies as much of a disappointment between these two teams. Do you agree? And, like, if there's anybody else that maybe we skimmed over, even a specific player, if you even want to go into it, it's like just a huge disappointment at this, like, point in the year. I'm curious. I'll, I'll hear it all. Huge disappointment. Like, do we miss a team? Like, I, like, you know what, I don't, I don't I mean, I guess don't you could say it. the Colts, but coming into the season, they were supposed to be, like, a good team. I mean, it just it wasn't the same because, I mean, they, they traded for Matt Ryan. It's not like it's not like they gave up, like, their future. I think the Colts were a team who have been just, like, jumping around veteran, mediocre quarterbacks. So, I mean, I can't say that that's disappointing. I think, like – Denver had higher expectations. I mean, yeah, the Raiders are also a big disappointment. I mean, you go out – I saw, like, on NFL memes, like, it was funny. Like, the Chargers – the Chargers are a little disappointing. They've been banged up. But, like, they'll, I think they'll make the playoffs. But, like – But five and five through ten weeks of the season is disappointing for them. With 13, that had super wild aspirations. You're 100% right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just in the AFC West, I think that whole division is just upsetting outside the Chiefs disappointing all three of those teams were making power moves in the offseason they're the the broncos are bringing in russell wilson the raiders are bringing Devonte adams 
The Chargers are bringing in J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack. And the Chiefs, what do they do? They bring in – they lose Tyreek Hill. And they bring in Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scandling. They draft Sky Moore. In the division – it's November 20, like, 1st right now. In the division, like, the divisional race is pretty much over. I mean – It's not pretty much over, Corey. It's over. They're three games up on the Chargers with sweeping head them, to so head. games. Yeah, it's over by November. I mean, it's just crazy how disappointing. Like we, I think both did. Did you pick the Chargers to win the AFC West? Also, I mean, I definitely picked them. I don't know why. I don't know why we have to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the AFC West just been really disappointing, and then obviously like the Packers and the Rams. I mean, the Bucks. Starting to turn around a little bit, but still another disappointing team. Outside of that, you can make an argument for the Colts, but outside like those teams I just named, I don't think anyone's really been that disappointing. Yeah, I think the only team that I think you could put into the Rams-Broncos category, actually more than the Raiders, would be the Packers. But at the same time, they just like – they traded about that. Like, I don't want to say like you kind of like expected this, but it was almost like they weren't – like you knew that they weren't going to be as good as they were last year in a sense because they got worse. So like at least like these other teams like had hope to get better, but like yeah, it doesn't it doesn't mask that the Packers are still disappointing, but like you kind of knew at least they were gonna regress a little bit. So like yeah, they regressed a lot more than we thought, but like we kind of at least were a little prepared for it in a sense. So that's why maybe I didn't throw the Packers right into that. Enough enough negativity core. We're picking games this week and we're gonna pick the three games on Thanksgiving. We're gonna start first with the Lions, as tradition always, in Ford Field. The Buffalo Bills will be there playing again. They just played this past week. They beat the Cleveland Browns there. We didn't get to talk about them on this episode. They like It was a tough start for Buffalo there, but they ended up figuring things out and beating the Jacoby Brissett-led Browns. Nine-and-a-half point favorites this week in Detroit. I will start with you, Corey. Do you like the Bills getting a win on Thanksgiving? Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen. Has been slowing down a little bit. I don't even think – I think he's kind of like out of the MVP race. I wouldn't say he's out of it, but he's certainly not like the favorite anymore. So I think, hey, you give this team back-to-back weeks in a dome, the Lions are playing really good ball, but I think they just run into a better Buffalo Bills team. Nine and a half is a lot, but I could easily see the Bills winning by 10-plus points, even on Thanksgiving. I think like – you think the Lions are just entitled to getting the spread. Like, pick the Lions with the spread just because they play <laughs> on Thanksgiving. But no, that doesn't mean I'm picking the Lions. I'm taking the Bills at minus nine and a half um, to win in Ford Field. Yeah, listen, the Lions just had probably played one of the – probably their best football game of the season this past week against the Giants. What intrigues me is that, they're like I said, they were so physical on both sides of the ball that maybe they are able to push Buffalo around. Not as much as the Jets did a couple weeks ago, but to an extent, the Jets had a lot of success on the ground. Maybe the Lions can too. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Buffalo, Detroit secondary still sucks. I think Buffalo has a chance to really air it out this week. I think, yeah, again, Detroit too on a short week after they just got a really nice win. You know what I mean? Maybe people are a little higher now on Detroit and stuff like that. People are saying, oh, Detroit might squeeze into a wild card. Like, come on now. They're not that good of a football team. I'm going to take Buffalo here with the nine and a half. Buffalo. I want to like I know they lost the just but they normally it seems like can take care of business. I know obviously earlier in the year that was kind of a thing with them that they like they take care of business when they need to. So hopefully the Bills get up for this game on Thanksgiving. And we said that they played on Thanksgiving, what was it, two years ago when they beat Dallas? So Yeah. Hopefully they do it again. I am trying to think if they played on Thanksgiving last year. They didn't play on Thanksgiving last year, right? Buffalo, I think they played the Saints. Yes, they did. On this Thursday Night Football, they killed them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Buffalo's the Thanksgiving glitch. Good. I love our pick, man. Moving yeah. on to the middle game, the Giants travel to Dallas to play the Cowboys. The Cowboys are eight-point favorites here. Come on now, Core. The boys are on a short week. I don't think – I think that was the best-case scenario for them. They're not going to get – they're not going to play as bad as they did this past week against the Lions. What intrigues me is that in the first matchup – the Cowboys got so much pressure on the Giants, so I really hope Evan Neal, who had a brutal game on that Monday Night Football game, can get back. But I think that this is a Giants 
team that will grind out games. They've shown it. This is a team that's going to be desperate, and they're going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder because people are going to be kind of writing them off this past week, especially after that brutal loss to the Lions. They're getting the Cowboys, too, after a really nice win, and people are going to be talking about, oh, the Cowboys, are they the best team in the NFC? I love the Giants in this spot. Give me them plus eight and give me them to win the game. I think they have a chance to win it late. I think Saquon will have a great day on the ground, and I think that Daniel Jones, I don't want to say like a signature moment, but I think on national television, Daniel Jones will be able to lead the Giants on a game-winning drive. Maybe Gano ends up kicking the game-winning field goal, but I think he's able to put together something where people are able to take away from it and see finally that Daniel Jones is a gamer. And you know what? He's not this like quarterback who's just tripping over nothing, and he's just this meme of a quarterback who's not good. So I like the Giants in this spot because of how well coached they are, and it's just like a spot that it's so easy for them to get up and just get right back on track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not um, you're not a Giants fan, right? <laughs> no, nah, no. Nah. I mean, I I mean earlier I said I think the Giants will compete in this game. I think I think Dallas wins this game, but I think yeah, I think you look at the spread minus eight. I feel people are gonna look at this and say, oh my god, Dallas minus eight at home. They're gonna think it's so easy, and that's why I'm gonna take. I think they do compete in this game, the Giants. I'm gonna take. The Giants plus eight. I think this game is a one-possession game, but I think Dallas gets the win despite their struggles on Thanksgiving. I think they finally get a win. I think in every game they've played on Thanksgiving, they've been – all these games like they're losing, they've been favored by – maybe not when they lost to Washington um, a few years – like two years ago. I don't know if they – I don't think Dak was playing in that game. I think he mm-hmm. obviously got for the year. I think they were still like slight favorites, but every other game, like they've been seven point plus favorites and they've lost. So I think they do get the win here, but I think the Giants keep it close and cover the spread. Yeah, that was that was a good one, though, Corey. But yeah, it's funny because I did mention the Cowboys potentially taking over and being the top team in the NFC, but it's just one of those years. And like I said, I, I mean, there was there was just no way possible I was picking against the Giants. So we will move on to the Thursday night football game. The New England Patriots, fresh off that walk-off part return, travel to Minnesota to play the Vikings. The Vikings are three-point favorites here after getting absolutely blown out last week at home to the Dallas Cowboys. Core, I'm going to start with you here first. Are you going to pick Kirk Cousins in prime time? No, I'm not picking Kirk Cousins in prime time. I think I've kind of learned. I mean, I've never, like, bet on Kirk Cousins, like, with my own money on prime time. Actually – Actually, no, I did actually. I mean, remember last year they were playing Dallas on like Sunday night and Dak Prescott, dude, the biggest trap of all time. I think the spread was like. That was a rush. That was was the Cooper Rush game, right? Yeah, it was the Cooper Rush game. I think it might have been like Minnesota minus like two. I don't know. I think – actually, I don't know. I think it might have been – the spread like barely changed when it went from Dak to Cooper Rush. And I think I'm out here getting an absolute lock. And obviously Dallas did not win. It was it was primetime Kirk also. I'm not going to take primetime Kirk here on Thanksgiving. I mean, I think this New England team should get some pressure on Kirk Cousins. I think they'll make it difficult for him. I think this game could be pretty low scoring, honestly. I think Bill Belichick, though, it's not really a talented team in my opinion, but Belichick's always got this team playing well just no matter who. Who it is. I mean, Mac Jones, really, we haven't really talked about his, like, regression this year. He's definitely taking a step back. So, I don't care. I can't – you can't take Kirk Cousins on prime time. I don't care if it's at home. I don't care if it's in Mexico. I don't care. We're taking New England to win the game straight up, cover the spread. Kirk Cousins throws at least two picks on prime time, and, and New England gets the win. Yeah, I mean, I've been going back and forth with this. Maybe it's because I don't want to pick all three away teams, but I'm going to side with you here too. Bill Belichick, obviously his defense and stuff like that, he's not going to let Justin Jefferson go ballistic on him, right? They're very physical to New England on both sides of the ball. I think that they're going to be able to run the ball successfully, kind of how Dallas was able to as well, control the line of scrimmage. And from a defensive standpoint too, they just got – Kirk was under so much pressure this past week. I think New England can kind of follow a similar formula there potentially to win. And at the end of the day, yeah, do I have any faith in Kirk Cousins on primetime? No, but you're 100% right. 
maybe we will, and maybe on primetime, Mac Jones will play so bad that it prompts us to talk about it. Mac Jones has been really bad this year. Like, he has not been good. I mean, we talked a little bit about the Bailey Zap thing and how, like, the fans were kind of calling for him when Jones was injured and then came back. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Patriots plus three and, like, to win the game. Hopefully their run game can just dominate. And the shots that Jones has to take, he's able to hit people in stride and stuff. But, yeah, I, I don't feel great about that pick at all. Um, but I, that, that that's the way that I'm going to go with that. One last thing that I do want to mention before we just wrap it up real quick, the Rams and the Chiefs play this week. This is going to be the first time that they play in the regular season since that awesome Monday night football game, probably one of the best regular season football games that I've ever watched. We were absolutely robbed of a great one this Like, I don't even know if Matthew Stafford is going to play this week. And obviously, even if he does, like the Rams are just so depleted. So if you need to pour some out for something this weekend, pour some out for what could have been the Rams Chiefs on Sunday this week. But with that being said, Core, that's going to be it for today's episode. Any last thoughts? Um, nah, I just hope everyone listening, everyone listening has a, has a good, good Thanksgiving. Enjoy it. Watch some football and, and, and just relax. That's basically all I got. Yeah. I got a couple of things. Listen, happy Thanksgiving. We had an awesome slate of football and I'll give a little shout out to the Utica pioneers. Hopefully they get a nice victory this coming Saturday. But with that being said, that's going to do it for today's episode. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.